0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45
1: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Hey, everyone. My guest and co-host today is the wonderful Morena Baccarin, who you know from Deadpool, Gotham, Homeland, Serenity, V, and Firefly. Mirena and I talk about the moment you realize you're in a bad relationship, how she unexpectedly met her husband, balancing work and family, the benefits of perseverance, and a lot more. Today's first caller is Sam, who was in the early stages of a relationship when her guy announced that he just wanted to be friends. One might think that he just wanted to date around. Instead, they're still spending every free moment together with Sam holding her breath that one day he will commit. Next to call in is Claire, who wants to be more supportive of her husband's business decisions, but doesn't always agree with how he manages his employees. Claire wonders if she should keep quiet or suggest ways he can improve his managerial skills. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, we would love to hear from you. Just look for the link at Unqualified.com.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris.
2: I heard you tell a really sweet story about your husband on The Drew Barrymore Show. Will you tell us how you met?
1: Sure. I got offered this part on Gotham, and I had a almost one-year-old at the time. And I just was not ready to go to New York and shoot and be away from him. So I turned it down several times. And then, of course, they just kept upping the money, which is a great problem to have. And I was like, oh, God. like, okay, we'll make this work. And they sort of made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And the whole time, I was really, really miserable about This idea that I was going to be away from him. And at the time, I was in a marriage that I shouldn't have been in, I think. Marina? Uh, (laughs) Enough said. (laughs) So emotionally, I was also looking for just something to fill the stuff that was lacking. Anyway, I ended up having to get on the plane on my son's first birthday to go shoot. And I was crying the whole flight, and I was miserable about it. My ex definitely threw that in my face a few times. And I met Ben. I walked into his trailer.
2: Wait, Marina, do you mind my asking? No. Because I was thinking about when you have a kid between the ages of one and like two and a half, it reveals a lot in a marriage. It absolutely does. So I don't know if he was being critical about your emotional state.
1: A lot of things were going on, and we went through a very long, arduous, horrible divorce
2: aren't they all?
1: Right. My lawyer used to love saying they're expensive because they're worth it. And I was like, that's not funny. Yeah, no, we're past it now. We're co-parenting very well. So I'm reticent to go back deeply into that. However, I will say that I wasn't copying to things. He wasn't copying to things. And what ended up happening was I felt whether he was doing this or not, I felt punished for either working or not working. And I felt emotionally punished for Doing the things that I loved that made me a better mother and a better person. And I was also the breadwinner. So at times, did I want to have the option to work? I did, but I probably would have chosen to work anyway because I love what I do. I know. So there was a lot going on and it was an emotionally fraught time to begin with. And having your first baby, I think it's a little traumatic, to be honest with you. I agree. I have three kids now. I love having kids, but... That first one, there's nothing like it. And you don't know. I mean, not that you ever really know, but you definitely learn to roll with it a little bit more. And that first one can feel like a giant change in your life. And it was a difficult, he was a colicky baby. It was a difficult breastfeeding experience. And I was really raw in general. And in
3: walks Ben. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So the showrunner, Bruno Heller, tells Ben that I want to meet him before we start working the next day together. I had just went to set to have a fitting. It was pouring rain. It was like an October night in New York City. They were shooting somewhere in, like, Queens. And Bruno had told Ben that I wanted to meet him. So he was already kind of like, weirdly felt we would connect with each other. And so I walked into his trailer and introduced myself, and I felt very shy and very closed off emotionally, didn't really want to be there, even though it was a great job. And I had all these preconceived ideas of who I thought he would be, wrongfully so, but just based on my own hangups, you know, as an actor and a woman in the industry. So I was very guarded. And he was so kind and nice. And he learned that it was my son's first birthday. And I think I got teary. And he was like, Oh, God, why are you here? And he felt horrible. And And I saw that he was human and that was lovely. And then we started working together and got to know each other really profoundly in a way that I don't think I would have had I been single or had he been, you know, we weren't expecting to fall in love with each other. And he said a few things that really stuck with me. Like I asked him at one point, I was teasing him and I was like, you're 35, you're single, you work, you're attractive and you seem smart. And in control of your emotion. Definitely suspicious. Yeah. I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's the red flag here? And he was like, I don't know. He's like, I just, I don't want to settle. I want the things that I want and I don't want to settle. And I was like, wow, that's very well put. And in my mind, I think I was thinking like, I think I settled. (laughs) Something happens to a woman when she turns 30, I think. And it's different for guys.
2: And I also think that there's this idea of checking things off the list.
1: Absolutely.
2: And I didn't have faith
1: at the time to own it, that I wanted the things that I wanted, and it was okay to ask for what I wanted. I really was not with it in that regard. I was immature in that sense. And I'm not talking about a fairy tale. I'm talking about just really basic human needs that I just thought, well, this person likes me. They work hard. They are emotionally intelligent and mature. Checking the boxes, like you said.
2: The idea of getting to know someone in a work situation where you can see how they interact with people, because it is very revealing under stress how you see someone treat other people.
1: Yeah. Same as, you know, when you go to a restaurant with somebody and you see how they treat waitstaff, right? That's very telling. Yeah. But yeah, I think there was an aspect of that only once, my very first film. But I've never dated anybody I've worked with. I was always very leery of that and of being that sort of cliche. So it wasn't something that I expected or wanted. And it just kind of happened. And then it was a really long process of should we, shouldn't we... You know, how do
2: I... Oh, God, that terror. It's really terrifying. I know. I remember, like, shaking at night regularly. Yeah. The untangling, my guilt... Like, I think also when you become a mom, it's like you put the blankie over your child and then you cover yourself with a duvet of guilt. Yes. And I think that that identity too, like grappling with work, as you were saying, I love what I do. Why do I feel so guilty about doing this? Yes.
1: That's, I think like 80% of my therapy sessions these days are that.
2: (laughs) I just remember feeling, am I missing out? Then I comfort myself with the idea, like I guess all of us do, that our kids will see someone who's doing what they love, who's good at what they do.
1: Yeah, and I find myself less resentful if I'm able to have a work adventure and I'm able to emotionally connect to my work and feel creative. You know, I find myself more giving and, you know, your cup fills up and then you can give.
2: Yeah. I was given some advice once, which was on every job you do, find someone that you learn from. Mm. Like pick an actor or director that you admire Have you worked with an actor that you've really learned from, or can you tell us about the impressionable work experiences that you've had?
1: Yeah, I've been
2: really lucky to have so, so many.
1: Two stick out for me, Sigourney Weaver and Meryl Streep, both formidable women who I just want to sit, eat popcorn, and watch them do anything. When I just graduated college, I got cast to understudy Natalie Portman in Shakespeare in the Park.
2: Marina, was this Juilliard?
1: Yes, this was Juilliard. And I thought for sure I was going to go out there and kill it in theater. And I wasn't getting any jobs because... I mean, it's still the case now, but more so at that time in the early 2000s, it was all about movie stars being in place. And that's how you got seats in the house. Nobody was going and attending theater. And so they really needed to bring box office stars to get people in the seats. And so I couldn't get a job. And I ended up understudying. And this was an insane all-star cast. It was directed by Mike Nichols. And it was Natalie Poiman, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Christopher Walken, Deborah Monk, Marsha Gay Harden, Meryl Streep, Kevin Kline. Oh, my God. Steven Spinella. I mean, it was an insane cast. And every day at rehearsals, I would just sit there with my mouth open, like, this is better than any class or school I could have gone to. And watching Meryl Streep every single day try new things and commit, she committed so fully to her choices, was just a huge Learning thing for me because I think I was gripped by fear a lot. And sometimes you second guess yourself and you feel like your choices are dumb. You know, it's just like in writing, like you have to get out of your own way and just try stuff. And she did that so well. And Sigourney Weaver I worked with recently actually in a little film called The Good House. And she was so kind and so present and so calm, collected, invested. And you know, she's done a lot and seen a lot. And I believe she turned 70 while we were shooting that at her age to just look so beautiful coming from the inside out and that she'd had all these experiences and was still so down to earth it was just so cool and being in scenes with her she's so present and so giving and there was so much play it was so great
2: the generosity idea like in a scene is so rewarding
1: it is my
2: (laughs) one-year-old screaming He's one.
1: Yeah, he's downstairs, just hysterical about
2: something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do you have a one-year-old during quarantine? Yeah. You know,
1: it was just as the world was opening again. He was born in spring of last year. I and mean, then I can definitely see that when he's out with people, he's just like, we don't get to do this a lot. Like, he's so excited to be in parks and things when he can be outside. But I also have an eight and a six-year-old and them together is kind of beautiful because they can entertain each other, you know, if they're
2: not fighting. Right. How awesome. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. That's kind of a beautiful thing to have three kids, a husband that you love.
1: I think I feel very blessed. You know, I've been in the hard relationship and I feel very lucky. And things are not easy, as I'm sure you know. Marriage is work, but you know the difference and you know when you're in something that you're working towards together versus fighting each other on something.
2: Will you tell us about a struggle and sort of the idea of getting over it? Yeah.
1: In my early 20s, I very quickly started working out of Juilliard and I thought, okay, this is going to be easy, you know. I was doing independent films and understudying on stage and, you know, small jobs, nothing that was going to change my life. But I felt good about myself. You know, I was getting positive feedback from the world that acting was going to work out. And then it dried up. I remember after I did Firefly, which was huge for me, it was my first TV job. I'd never gotten a paycheck that huge in my entire life. I didn't even know what to do with myself. I was 23 or 24. And then I couldn't get arrested. I auditioned on a daily basis. No positive feedback or no feedback or just, oh, she's great, whatever, nothing. Remember when pilot season was a thing? Yep. Yeah. (laughs) And you'd walk into these rooms and these suits and these people with their notepads judging you. It was a horrible experience.
2: For our listeners that don't know, you already have your deal in place. Yes. So you know what you could be making. (laughs) Right. And you know that everybody else has their deal in place It makes the stakes feel very dramatic because your agents have been negotiating for you over the last few days. Yeah. It's like within reach.
1: Yes. It's a cruel process. And then you're there with the other girls that you're testing against. You're in a waiting room together and everybody's trying to be really nice to each other and nervous. And you go in one at a time. And it's a horrible process. And having to do that like nine times one pilot season and not getting any of the jobs. I was really seriously considering quitting. Maybe this isn't for me. I don't know if I can do this. I remember I had a conversation with my mom, who was an actress as well, in Brazil. And I remember her saying, this is the life you chose. This is the life. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to feel high. You're going to feel low. If you're really serious about this, stick with it. It's going to work. And I thought, wow, that's not the advice I was expecting from a parent. And I just stuck with it. And I remember going to an audition and thinking, I'm not gonna get it, so I might as well have fun. I might as well see each and every audition that I work on as an opportunity to do my art, to play, to create, to go in there and have fun for myself. And who cares what anybody else thought.
2: Man, that takes a lot of strength. Yes,
1: and I think that experience with Meryl Streep, watching her commit so fully to the rehearsals and the choices that sometimes were not right, but they were compelling to watch because there was commitment. And I thought, okay, well, why don't I just play? And I just started booking jobs again. It was so weird.
2: How cool, how confirming. It was. And I think that's a really important idea. I'm kind of fascinated when I talk to actors about the early discouragement if they've had formal training. I went to University of Washington and I started out in the drama program. And then I quickly, like after a year, I was like, I don't think I'm good. Mm. But I was okay with that. I wanted to write. I wanted to explore other things. But I also don't know if I want to go through the heartbreak of rejection mm. when I've emotionally invested. Was Juilliard an encouraging place? No, No,
1: it wasn't. I was so young. I started when I was 17. And I was a hard ass. You know, I grew up in New York. I thought I was really tough. So I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. And I'm sure they were just trying to, like, soften me in some way in order for me to be able to be vulnerable, which is one of the privileges as an actor is to use your vulnerability, right? But I don't know that their technique is all that helpful, truthfully. I learned incredible discipline. And I've had to do accents recently. And I think if I hadn't had the Juilliard training, perhaps I wouldn't be able to dive in the way that I was able to so quickly with that stuff. Technically, I feel very proficient, but emotionally it was really difficult. And at the time, and I think the school has changed quite a bit. At the time that I was there, which was 20, 22 years ago, it was very much about tearing you down and building you back up. And I don't necessarily agree with that. When I left the school... I was confident, but I wasn't authentic, like I wasn't me. I felt like I was this trained robot. How interesting. And I was lacking the very thing that I think was going to draw people to me. And I was a Latin American 20-year-old from New York, and I spoke perfectly, and I wasn't getting hired. The industry has changed a lot. At the time, you would get the parts that you got based on what you looked like, 100%. It's changed a bit now, but I went in for every Dick Wolf show, every Law & Order episode ever. I never booked a single one of them. I was too high class. Anyway, so I felt like the school did me a disservice in that respect. The parts that I was trained to play, I wasn't going to get. They were very out of touch with the world they were sending me out into, and I had to kind of figure that out for myself. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring.
2: Sam! Hey! Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm great. I'm here with Morena, who is just lovely. Hello. Hey,
4: Morena. Hi.
2: Sam, will you tell us what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that says it all. Yeah. It's kind of a long story, but
4: I met this guy on a dating app. First date, right off the bat, he was like, I'm looking for a relationship. I was like, okay. People don't usually say that right off the bat. So I was like, me too. This is great. Date went really well. We said goodbye. And he said, okay, do you want to hang out in two days on Wednesday? And I was like, that's fast, but sure. <laughs> and so he kind of set the tone for this relationship. We started hanging out pretty much like every other day, five days of a week. It was going really good for five months straight. We were in and it was great. Then he went on this work trip that kind of depleted him of all his energy. And when he came back... He was shut down and he was like, I just don't think I have the energy to give you what you need. I can't do this. I'm messed up. I have issues. I told myself that I was going to be single for a year and then I met you and I crossed my boundary and I went for it and I really should have stuck to my guns. There's a lot I have to figure out for myself, but I still want to be your friend. And I was like, well, I'm a Scorpio and I love hard. So like I was in love with you since day one. So like, I can't really be your friend. And he was like, well, that sucks. And then we left and I was like, I don't want to lose this guy. So I was like, I guess I can try to be your friend. We'll see what happens. And then I was like, well, do you actually like me or do you actually see me as your friend? And he's like, no, I actually really like you. And I was like, OK, well, then should I start seeing other people? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you to do that. And then I was like, oh, well, should I wait for you? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you to wait for me. And I was like, you got to give me something. Oh my
1: God. This is impossible.
4: I know. And so we've been hanging out as friends for like a month, but it's like, ever since he said that his walls kind of came down. And so we're seeing each other like once or twice a week now for like long periods of time. He's still buying me dinner. he just like made me a coffee table, made you a coffee table. Yeah. He's like doing all these acts of service for me, but he's still, every time I bring it up, he's like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to for a while. Like
1: his boundaries came down because we're now we're just friends and I feel like he's opening up more. I have a question. If he doesn't want a relationship or he's not ready, why is he on a dating app? Well, he thought he was
4: ready. But then when he started being in a relationship, he was like, actually, I'm screwed up and I need to figure my shit out. And I
2: was like, well, now's not really the time to isolate yourself. Right. I have a few questions. Yeah. Is he blaming sort of the not readiness on his previous relationship?
4: Yeah, he's had some relationship trauma. He's been cheated on a couple of times. And he has some like childhood trauma, trust issues. Yeah, so he's not really blaming it on any of that. He's just saying that he hasn't healed from things yet. This is an odd question. Was his work trip overseas? No, it was in a different state. What does he do? He's a carpenter. So he was building out a restaurant and he was there for two weeks, but working 16 hour days every single day that he was down there. All his energy was gone. So I was like, maybe you just need to take some time for yourself and you'll get some energy back. And so he like went camping by himself, making he came back and he's like, for a second, I thought it was the wrong decision, but I really think I need to deal with my shit.
2: When he said that he couldn't give you what you need, what does that mean to you? That's why I was
4: confused because I was like, we're not really doing anything that's pushing each other's boundaries. Like, I don't need a lot. Like, I'm just like cooking you dinner and we're just watching movies. I'm not like pulling all this energy from you that I feel like you don't have. So I think he just can't be there for me emotionally,
2: maybe? It doesn't sound like you are... Super needy, right? Right. I'm not. I think it's also interesting that he had an interestingly sort of regimented schedule. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, he's a Virgo, so he's very organized. Mm -hmm. One of the mistakes that I made a lot in my life when I was dating was to not hear what the guy was saying. Like, they always tell you who they are right off the bat and what they want. And sometimes, I know I made this mistake of going yeah, but you think this, but really you want this. Or like, I would try to shape it into what I thought he meant. Mm -hmm. And I think if I have one piece of advice, and I'm no expert, please (laughs) take it all with a grain of salt. Take everything at face value, you know, like do what's right for you. And also believe that he doesn't have it in him right now to be in a relationship. But if you don't have it in you to be friends with him because it's too hard, you should honor that in yourself. Because if you take care of yourself, he will come back, I believe.
2: Mm. Is there a big age difference between you two, Sam? Not huge. He's
4: six years older than me. So he's 41 and I'm 35. Has he been married before? Yes, he grew up religious. And so he was married at 18. But his wife cheated on him then. And that's where
2: some of his trauma comes from. Okay. Are you guys intimate now as friends?
4: Like we're still hanging out, like we're dating. I just can't touch you. And he was like, you can touch me. And I'm like, there needs to be some sort of line.
1: Yeah, it's weird.
4: <laughs> yeah, I actually did go on a date with someone else. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be open and see if there's anybody else out there, but maybe still hope a little bit that this works out. And so I went on a date and I was like, oh, yeah, people actually suck. Right. And it's really hard to find people that check so many boxes.
2: I know. Do you find that your heart sort of leans to him more now that he sort of has pulled away? I don't think it's more than it was before. Okay. I'm dreaming about him a lot, which is not common for me. Oh, man. <laughs> I want you to protect yourself.
1: Exactly. I think so, too.
2: When you said that he went away, my first thought was like, maybe his ex got back in touch with him. The recent relationship or whatever that kind of has thrown him for a minute, he started getting his attention pulled over there. Is that a possibility? I don't think it is. We talk about her sometimes and he's very much of a distance with her.
4: And he has said to me before, he's like, when I'm in a relationship, I've never cheated. I'm completely loyal. So I don't think that's a possibility.
1: I think if Sam is clear and is like, I really like you and I want this to continue, it sounds like you need time. And it sounds like it's hard for Sam to be around him, Mm -hmm. right? When this like limbo in between waiting around for him, at some point, I feel like that's going to add pressure and it's going to boil over. And I feel like the best thing might be to say, look, I can't promise you I'll be here But let me know. All we can do is try again in the future when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that's hard. Because I
4: don't want to feel like I'm like waiting around for this person. Right. That's not right for you. Yeah. But I'm also like, he's pretty great. uh,
2: I get it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you guys continue this pattern, how locked into this identity in his eyes are you? Mm -hmm. If you've taken a step backwards and if he is fine for the rest of his life, seeing you every other day, that's a particular personality. Mm -hmm. You want to feel the reciprocation of your feelings hundred percent. Yeah. And you can't get any answers out of him. It sounds like he truly doesn't know. Yeah. Every
4: time I'm like, what do you need? What do you want? He's just like, I literally don't know. I don't know what I need. I don't know what I want.
1: What do you want besides being with him? Like, what do you want for yourself right now?
4: Well, I definitely am looking. I feel like I've had a long time to process my past relationship and I'm at a point where I'm ready to get into something serious. And that's kind of my pattern is I always like give myself two years between relationships to really like heal
2: myself. And he seems to be the opposite where he just like keeps jumping in. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: When you guys hang out and like have these conversations, what are your normal activities? Do you guys watch a movie? Do you go to dinner?
4: Yeah, we either cook dinner or we've been going out to dinner and he's been paying for me the whole time. And then honestly, right now he's like doing projects around my house. And then we like take a walk and then we talk. And I like try to get inside of his brain a little bit. Like I'm like, you know, every time we're going to hang out as friends, I'm going to bring this up because I love you. So I need to like pick you apart
2: a little bit more. (laughs) Uh because I don't want you to forget how I feel. I had a weird radical idea. I'm ready. I wonder if you need to take a camping trip with him. Mm. Something where communication is kind of forced a little bit, like real meaningful communication is the circumstances forces it. Yeah. Meaningful time together without distraction. That's a good idea. Maybe things will become a little more clear for you. If you get the sense that this is a situation where you will always like him and want more than him, just a little bit more than he does. Mm-hmm. That's a rough way to live. Yeah, no, that's no way to that's live. That. Yeah, it's tough. So I just wonder, and it might be also really fun. That's true.
4: And it's also that's kind of his comfort zone. That's what he does for himself mostly. So,
2: yeah, totally.
4: When you guys took on vacation together, where did you go? We went to the coast, which was really nice. And he has done some work on people's houses. So they gift him free weekends places. So
2: that was really nice. Awesome. Yeah. How does it feel to propose something like that? I mean, it sounds like you guys are still involved. And that's the complicated part is that you're still involved.
4: Yeah. Because he's like, I'm not ready for a relationship. But I'm like, well, this is a relationship. Maybe we're not dating.
2: During the five months when you guys felt more solid, did you guys put labels on it? Did he call you his girlfriend?
4: No. And I kept trying to sneak in calling him babe every once in a while, but he never reciprocated that. He's wary.
2: He sounds like a good guy, though.
4: He's a great guy. And I feel like he's never had problems committing in his past. I'm like, what is it this time? It's because he's grown a little bit or I'm like, is it me? It's a tough situation because it is so blurry. Yeah.
2: And I don't want to put the pressure on him either, but I also want No. Yeah. (laughs) More. Right. And it sounds like you could definitely continue having this friendship if you can stomach the idea of not having it defined, of not knowing where the future is. I mean, because it's nice because he still values you. It's not like you're his fuck buddy. Right. I wonder if you could propose, hey, would you feel like going camping next month for a weekend? His reaction will be telling. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely do that. If this does work out, be gentle with commitment talk Mm -hmm. and view it more as a learning opportunity for you. Okay. You're learning who he is in a more profound way. He may want to be single for the rest of his life.
1: Yeah.
4: He's like, I don't know if I'll ever be ready. I kind of want to just run away into the forest
1: by myself. Well, like I said, they tell you exactly who they are. Yeah, (laughs) It's just whether or not you want to listen. I get warning signs. That's what I get. I do too. I do
4: too. But I'm like, I don't know. I also have a tendency being with people that I feel like I can fix. Mm -hmm. And it seemed for the first five months that he wasn't that person. I was like, I finally beat this pattern. And I'm like, oh,
1: wait. Oh, wow. I think simultaneously, whenever you decide, take care of yourself and just keep yourself out there. I would say keep dating. Definitely. And it's going to suck. It's
2: going to suck. And you may not meet somebody great right away, but eventually you will. I have faith in that. But it'll be distracting for you. And I agree with Marina. And I think you can't fix the commitment element. Mm-hmm. It's just like slow pain. But that's why I just wonder, without telling him, if this camping trip that I'm imagining <laughs> can be your personal test. Yeah. But I would definitely keep yourself distracted. Time and distraction are the only ways to get over heartbreak, don't you think, Marina? Yeah, really time. Time does the work. Sam, you're single. You're single with a good friend who helps you around the house. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And well, I have all his reminders of him everywhere, too. That's what he wants.
1: I know. Oh. (laughs) He's keeping you interested. Yeah, maybe. I don't think he wants to lose her, obviously, but he's also not ready. And so I think it's a little unfair. I really do.
2: Yeah, I do too.
1: I do too. He sees how great she is and he doesn't want somebody else to get it, but he's also like not quite ready. I mean, I think at a certain point he's going to have to jump or not, you know? Yeah. Maybe you can say, look, without putting pressure on you, I'm willing to do this for this long and then we can reassess. You know, you could also take that approach and say, okay, if you need time, that's fine. I need to reassess in a month, in two months, and whatever the time frame is that you feel is right for yourself.
2: Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. And then see, you know, if you can continue to do this or if he's feeling differently or what. With time, you just won't feel it quite as hard. And when he repeats, like, I'm not ready for this, it just won't land as hard. You've heard it before. You're protecting your heart. Yeah. Because the other way to go would be telling him, This is hard, you know that I really, really like you. I have strong feelings for you and it's hard for me to um, be in this limbo. And I respect that you don't know where you're at. I love you, but I think it would be good for me to not see you for three weeks, four weeks. When was the last time you saw him? Last week. You don't have to be proactive in that. It depends on what feels comfortable to you. Or if truly sussing it out with this knowledge for the next like four months, see how your heartbreak level is. I mean, that's a fair way to go too. Unless there's like a drastic change in him. It sounds like this is a slow death. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really sorry. Thank you. But I think Marina's right. I think you should continue to date. You have to force yourself. You're going to hate it. It's going to suck. Yeah.
1: I think also something happens to a guy when you are too available to them. And this is even true in marriage. You know, if you don't have your own interests and you don't have your own life and you don't have your own sense of self, it's not attractive to guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you have to play games. I'm talking about the like genuine taking care of yourself.
2: Yeah. I think that as you give up hope, which I think is probably wise to protect your heart. Yeah. You can still assess things from a distance and enjoy each other's company and have them fix shit around your home. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's so functional. I love it. (laughs) And then one day you'll see the coffee table and it won't really occur to you. Yeah. The horrible but practical advice is to unfortunately continue dating and distract yourself. Yeah. And I think you can still be in each other's lives, but just gauge that pain. But I do believe that if he loves you,
1: he will come around. I don't think if you walk away that you're losing him necessarily. I mean, I think that's a hard thing to trust, but I do believe that if it's meant to be, it will be. Mm -hmm. And that you don't have to fear destroying it somehow. Or like, if you don't hold on to it, that it
2: won't happen. Mm, Okay. Can you wait for him to come to you?
4: At first I was like, you let me know when you want to hang out because I obviously want to hang out all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I like put that on him, but then I felt it hard not to be like, look what I did today. I know <laughs> The hardest part. So when does he come to you? He's very good at following up. This dude is confusing. He's so confusing. I know. And every time he like does a project, I feel like he's always leaving
1: a breadcrumb for next time. Oh my God. Do you have like a close girlfriend or somebody? I feel like I've literally talked to maybe like a hundred people about this. I just mean like when you get that (laughs) urge to like check in with Uh him or to share something with him, can you share it with your girlfriend instead? Yeah. You know what I mean? First. Yeah. And then see if it satisfies that urge. Yeah. And then, you know, just like give it a pause. And just see how much he comes to you. Yeah, that's
2: good advice. We've been there. It makes us better people. It does.
1: Yeah. Everything will be all right. It really will be. Yeah. It It always is. It always is. It's true.
2: You're a smart woman. You get it. Thank y'all. I love you. Thank you so much for sharing this. Love you guys. Thanks. Nice to see you. Bye, Sam.
0: That's stamps.com. Code program.
2: You were wonderful. <laughs> I feel for her. Oh my God. I know. I think your advice was better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Just different. It's easier said than done, right? Totally. How old were you when you first felt like you were in love? Well, I guess that was a crush, but I was really in love in
1: the sixth grade with a boy named Charlie. I was all in. I mean, I couldn't breathe. And it was interesting navigating that thing of like, does he know me? Does he see me? And then realizing they do too. And you're like, how does that happen? Do I have magic
2: powers? Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Totally. Did you have a high school or college relationship that broke your heart? Have you gone through heartbreak?
1: I have gone through heartbreak. I had a really tough, tricky relationship that was from high school to college. It was a very emotionally manipulative. I really want to teach my daughter about instincts, like listening to yourself, because I think that's the biggest thing we can carry through life. Women, we know and we don't listen. And then we get into these situations. I had a insane heartbreak in my early 20s that taught me so much about myself because I realized it wasn't about the person. I was imbuing this relationship with so much that wasn't even there because of the stuff that I needed and wanted. And, like, it was just so dumb when I think about it now. And he was so handsome. Oh, those guys. But couldn't be pinned down, you know? Like, he would do that thing where he's like, I love you. He would call me every night. We would hang out constantly, but he couldn't be my boyfriend. Yep. And, like, fight any ounce of confidence— And maturity, I'd be like, get lost, dude. But he was so enticing and just such a good boy from Texas, you know? And I was like, he's going to do the right thing. Like, we're going to be together. And everybody, all his friends, my friends, they all knew we were together. But there was never this commitment. And I remember thinking, what's wrong with me? And it was always about me feeling like I wasn't good enough, that he was better. And that's why. And when I think about it now, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it would have been torturous. Torturous. But it taught me so much about my internal life and what I gave myself permission for. And it was one of those relationships that dragged. It was like on and off for like a year and a half or something. And, uh-huh. you know, you're home and you're like, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to have a cup of tea. If he calls, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to prove my dignity. And then, of course, he calls. And you're like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. You know? I know. <laughs>
2: I know my college boyfriend, well, he broke up with me like two weeks into college, but I would show up at his fraternity late at (laughs) night. Like, I know I had memorized his class schedule, so I would accidentally bump into him. Right, right. And then at one point I was just like, oh my God. Right, what am I doing? This is so humiliating. Yes.
1: And it goes from, I don't know if it was this way for you, it's like from one day to the next, you snap and you're
2: like, what am I doing? Yes. It feels like that, but I also think that the big decisions in your life have been cooking around subconsciously for a minute. Yes.
1: These things really make us who we are. You just pray and hope, and I pray this for my daughter, that they're ultimately positive. Things can go very far south, and obviously you don't want anybody to get hurt too badly, but these things really start building. I don't think I would be ready for Ben when I married him if I hadn't been through all of these really weird and horrible times.
2: Do you collect anything? I
1: collect books. I love books. I like got physical books. I collect people. I have like a strange assortment of people, if that makes sense, uh-huh. of all different walks of life and ages. And this is what New York is awesome for, is like you're just meeting so many different kinds of people. And even though somebody may not particularly check all the boxes, I and mean, be my best friend in the whole world, like I enjoy knowing about people and like having different friends, different kinds of
2: friends. I think collecting books and friends is the best (laughs) of collections, especially for an actor. Like the idea of curiosity, of different perspectives. Yes. What is the best trip you've ever taken? Ooh. I know, I'm so craving travel.
1: Me too. We're going to Italy soon. I can't wait.
2: Oh, where?
1: We're going to Tuscany. Oh. I'm going to just drink and eat so much. I'm so excited.
2: How wonderful.
1: I know. And go to museums and just life. I'm so excited. So this heartbreak, this person actually encouraged this. My parents went through a horrible divorce as well. When I was graduating college, and my brother was graduating high school. And they kind of threw us in the middle of it. And it was just annoying and horrible. At least they chose like a stress-free time in your life. Oh, right. Exactly. Just when you're getting on your feet. (laughs) And I had made money from my first job. And I told my brother, I was like, let's get out of here. As a graduation present to him and myself, I decided that I would fly us to Europe and we were going to backpack around. And it was our first time in Europe. And I think we flew into Paris. And we flew out of Rome, I want to say. And we just took the train everywhere and explored it. So boiling hot. It was the end of June. It was like one of the hottest summers they'd ever had. And we were just in Rome and Paris and Florence and Cinque Terre. And my brother at the time in high school was studying sculpting, marble sculpting. And we went to the Rodin Museum and we sat there and he sketched. And after a while, he was just sitting for a long, long time on this bench looking at the thinker. And I was like, what's going on? Are you okay? And he's like, I don't think I can do this. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I don't think I'm ever gonna be that good. And I thought, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) He's already
2: quitting your career before he starts it. (laughs) But (gasps) other than that,
1: it was a very inspirational trip and we had a great time.
2: I love it that you picked backpacking around Europe as a great trip because I've backpacked around Australia, I've backpacked around Europe. It is formidable. But I've definitely done some time in some hostels, you know? Oh, man, you got to. It's like a rite of passage. You have to. (laughs) It is definitely like things that sound better than they are. Yes. Hey, Claire. Hello. Hi. Claire, thank you so much for your letter. I'm really excited to talk with you. This is Marina. She is awesome.
3: Nice to meet you. Also, I love your work, by the way. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. Will you tell us what's going on? Absolutely. I've been married to my husband for about 2 years and we've been together for 5 and we met at this bar which he owns. It's a really special place. It's like a second home for me and we spend a lot of time there and I naturally get very emotionally attached to the employees that work for him. I feel protective of them and I am very fond of them and sometimes it's very sad for me when they get let go. And a lot of times it's justified, but recently a girl had to get fired for lots of legitimate reasons, but I was over-identifying with her because she reminded me of myself at her age. And I didn't really agree with how my partner handled the situation, but it made a lot of sense from his perspective because he's very business focused, but I'm very like emotional. And so I wanted there to be a lot more like coaching and handholding, but he was just like, this isn't good for my business. I have to fire her. So that's the larger context. And my question is more like, how do I balance like having my partners back and being supportive for this business while also bringing my own human touch to like our relationship and kind of navigating that situation?
2: Did she come to you and make a appeal to you? Like, have you had those experiences
3: No, I have tried to do that in the past and that kind of caused a problem with my husband. He's like, I don't think that's appropriate. What I bring home and tell you about needs to stay here. I don't want you to like go and try to connect and help on your own. So like that's been a conversation we've had in the past and she did not appeal to me directly, which was probably good because that would have made the situation very hard. Definitely, definitely
2: good. (laughs) So you have like this work family, but no sort of position, which is kind of an awesome place to be, I would think.
1: <laughs> yeah. You <laughs>
3: have no responsibility, just all the emotional connection. What do you do for a living? I'm an executive assistant. And I come from like a very corporate, like retail background. So I have a lot of ideas about how to like manage employees and coach employees from what I've seen from my professional experience. Yeah, I was just going to say, it sounds like you have a natural ability
1: to sort of lead or to want to like form a work environment. Mm -hmm. You seem very apt at that. And that's probably a hard thing to see happen and not be a part of.
3: Mm hmm. Definitely.
1: I think that with guys, I don't know if your husband is, but is he like alpha male? Is he like the one in charge? I don't mean this in a bad way. I just mean like, does he like to be the one in charge and it makes him feel good?
3: Sometimes he's not like super alpha, but he is very sure of himself and mm-hmm. confident and kind of knows what he wants and what he will and won't tolerate. I feel like with a guy like that, it can feel like criticism when
1: you offer sort of like advice on how to handle a situation. And that's probably where the conflict is coming from. Mm -hmm. But I totally hear you on your connection to these people. And that's very genuine. Mm -hmm. So that's
3: tough. I try to like say things like, if it were me, this is how I would want to be managed. Right. And kind of try to frame it in that way or say things like, my idea for how to handle this would be X, Y, Z, but that's just where my brain goes. Not trying to say you should do that, but this is how I am processing it. So
1: you obviously know you have to like be gentle around it.
2: Yeah, Claire's <laughs> an executive assistant,
1: I bet. Yeah, yeah.
2: Finessing has to be a constant part of your job. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I think when giving advice in a relationship, it's all about timing, as you probably already know. Mm -hmm. Somebody needs to be relaxed and receptive. And then I think it's about the intro. Like, baby, I know you've been dealing with that thing with Sarah. I have a couple of thoughts. I don't know if you want to hear them, but if you do, I'd love to talk to you about them. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe it's more of an, would you like to hear this? If the timing is right and he's relaxed, hopefully he would. Mm-hmm. I think that probably because it's his baby mm-hmm. and it is a special place. I think that until he really trusts your advice, I don't know if your husband is like, oh, I think you're too soft or like <laughs> you're too gentle.
3: Mm-hmm. I could see a little bit of that for sure. He knows I'm sentimental and I get attached and like, could see that he's like, you're seeing this from a friend perspective, from an empathy perspective, and he's looking at it from a business standpoint. He has to kind of separate his emotional connection with what's going to be the best for the business. And I do respect that a lot because that's his baby, like you said. Do you feel like this woman, if your husband
2: had handled it a little bit differently, that she could have changed and kept her job?
3: That's a really difficult question. I think maybe, but also I think She wasn't quite mature enough to do that yet. So
1: you feel like he ultimately did the right thing? Probably. It was just how he did it?
3: Yeah, a little. I wanted there to be more hand-holding and a little bit more feedback, constant feedback. Because where I come from professionally, if there's an issue with an employee, you have like your initial talk and then you have like two or three coaching sessions. And then if the problem is still happening, then you get fired. But there was like an initial talk. And I think he kind of says there was like warning signs. It just wasn't as structured as I'm used to. So you feel he could be clearer
1: in his process with his employees?
3: Yes, I have felt that in the past and it doesn't come up very often, but when it does, sometimes it's difficult to know how to handle that
1: do you think he would be open to like if you guys had a conversation and you said to him i respect you i respect your business you really know how to handle it obviously it's successful because of you it's hard for me because of what i do for a living to see the process do you think you could integrate a piece of advice like perhaps if you're having an issue with somebody have a conversation to address that specific issue more directly and like ask him if he would be willing to put a step in there For you.
3: (laughs) For my peace of mind. Yeah. For your peace of mind. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great idea. So that
1: you know he's addressing it. He knows he's addressing it. The employee knows. And then when it happens anyway, he's still right. He's still making his own decisions. Mm -hmm. But you also feel better.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And I think kind of marrying that with what Anna said earlier, that kind of finding a good moment when he's relaxed, which is probably like after dinner and we're both feeling really mellow and being like, you know, would you be open to hearing some ideas that I have next time there's employee drama? Yeah. And then kind of integrating that in like, what if you were like more proactive about trying to deal with things and like, soliciting feedback before problems happened or trying to nip something in the bud instead of letting it develop into a full-blown fireball problem.
1: That's actually a really good idea. And I feel like you two could be a dynamic duo in the business. I would start with one or two things to not bombard him with like all these steps Mm -hmm. and then see if he's able to
3: integrate it. And maybe you guys could be really a good team in that way. Mm -hmm. I think we could. I'm hopeful. Like, obviously, things have been really wild for the past two years, but like they're starting to kind of pick up now. And I feel like I have a lot to offer in this situation. And as this is like sort of our primary income, I want to support in the ways that I can. And I think that that could be a great way to do it. Does he know that this has been kind of troubling to you? He knows. Like when he was telling me like, oh, I have to go fire this person. I was very like, I'm having a lot of feelings. (laughs) I'm sad about this. This is confusing for me. I try to be very transparent. Like I want to support you and have your back. But I also over-identify with this person and this is not how I would want to be managed. I have had some managers in my early 20s that really stepped up when I could have been fired who kind of helped me grow professionally and... He likes to be very hands-off with his employees. He's like, I don't want to micromanage. You know, I want them to handle themselves. I give them the job and tell them how I like things to be done. And then I am hands-off.
1: Sounds like he needs to hire
2: you.
3: Emotional management coordinator.
2: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I think it's
3: amazing what you said to him.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. You were right, except maybe with the timing. Mm -hmm. He wasn't ready to take that in yet.
3: He already made his decision. So he was just like, I need to go do this and cut this drama out because it's too much. So
2: that issue is done. But I wonder if the next time it comes up, because I love what you want to say to him when the timing is right. It's just broad. Mm -hmm. He may not take that in very well.
3: Yeah. And previously, I think it's kind of just worked like the hands off approach has really worked. I think it just really depends on who he hires. I want him to be able to
2: continue to talk to you about when he's having problems with an employee. Mm -hmm. That's when I think you can say, well, baby, I do have some thoughts. Maybe start with that kind of gentle finessing.
3: Yeah. Offering it as... An option instead of shoving it <laughs> down his throat. <laughs> yeah, because then he'll trust you. He'll be
2: able to hear it He'll chew on it. It'll be in the back of his head. Mm -hmm. And then slowly he'll be more receptive. Mm -hmm. I want him to understand it. And I want him to be open to it. Mm -hmm. And then I think a year from now, he could very well be like, honey, what do I do? Mm -hmm. He will be very receptive if you tread lightly at first.
3: Yeah, I hope so. And he is generally receptive. To hearing things, we just don't always have the same ideas about how to execute. My management style is different than his management style. I'm much more like weekly check-ins. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Can I do anything to support you? And he's, I trust that everything is fine until you tell me it's not.
2: Right. (laughs) Right, right, right.
3: right. Well, he's a man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love what you said to him, though, that you had some managers early in your career That really helped you. Mm -hmm. That's a great approach. Like your personal experience. He sees where you are now.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Maybe reiterating that idea a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you guys are good communicators, though.
3: Yeah. It's been a process, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're always learning how to better communicate and when to better communicate.
2: It's hard. Mm -hmm. The timing stuff is really hard. I always give that advice. Like, it's all about timing. I'm awful. (laughs) It's
3: hard. (laughs) You have
2: the feelings that you have when you have them. You can't control that part.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I say this to him a lot, like at the end of the day, I want to have your back and I want to support you and I stand by you and I don't want to undermine anything that you're doing business-wise. It is working and it's great. I just have thoughts about how it could be a little smoother sometimes or how you might be able to be a little bit more of a mentor, but you have to actually want to be a mentor. Just because this is a role you could fill doesn't mean it's a role he wants to fill. Right. I see what you're saying. So if I can kind of frame it as a benefit for the business long-term, I think he would respond to that a lot better. That's a
2: really good point. I think you're incredibly considerate. You are clearly a great communicator.
3: I try. I mean, it's been a long time developing and learning through trial and error. And I really appreciate you guys taking my call. And I think you have a great point of just being like, I have some thoughts about how this could go if you want to hear about it. The fact that you're able to frame
1: it that way is very smart of you, I think, to just give him ownership of that is is really
3: smart. Absolutely. <laughs> Claire, thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate both of your time. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. (music)
2: Marina, I can't thank you enough. Of course. This was really fun. You're so lovely and caring and you gave great advice. (laughs) Like I said, easier when it's somebody else, right? And not your own life. Totally. (laughs) Thank you so much Marina. My pleasure. Take care. Bye. Bye.